This morning, we continue in our series, Storms. And as I prepared for this series, I have thought back to the many storms, both literal and, and spiritual, that I've been through in my life. And I kept coming back this week to one storm in particular that Carrie and I um, experienced in New Mexico quite a few years back. This probably would have been in 2008, 2007, somewhere in there. Um, we had taken a vacation. And it was just outside of Clayton, New Mexico. You ever been to Clayton? It's, it's known for some very dramatic weather shifts. I mean, it's just one minute to be perfect and the next minute something else. And we had just literally um, been outside uh, taking pictures. You know, we stopped outside of Clayton at the, at the Welcome to New Mexico sign. And we'd taken our pictures. You know, we didn't have any kids, so we had an actual camera too. Nope. We didn't have cell phones at that point, so it was an actual camera, and we were taking pictures with it, and we got back in, and of course, when you go through Clayton, there's not a whole lot there if you go down the main street, so we couldn't find anything to eat, but uh, we decided we were going to head on out, we were going to try to make it to Colorado that night, and as we began to drive out of Clayton, suddenly the sky became very dark, not just darker than I'd probably ever seen. It was all at once because you could stand there in the middle of that flat spot and, and this side was complete sun and this side was complete darkness. And then the heavens opened up. But it wasn't rain. The sound in that moment, we drove a little Nissan Altima back then. The sound in that moment seemed as if the car was going to crumble. <laughs> um, I really didn't know we were ever going to move from that spot again. I thought we're, we're done. Jesus is mad. We should have stopped and clicked. That's, you know, we were, we were done. It was, I guess they call it hail, but it was as if someone had gone to every Sonic in America and got the rice, you know, Sonic guys, the good little Sonic guys. It was just dumping bucketfuls on top of us. And it was just the loudest thing in the world. When we finished, I, I have a picture somewhere on an old cell phone because it was, I tried to I tried to save it on a flip phone. That didn't work. <laughs> but we got out and there was sonic ice next to our car buried up to the bottom of the fender. It had just, for, for 20 minutes, it had just done nothing but drop. It was the most horrible sound. It was a scary situation because we didn't know, honestly, what was going to happen. And last week, we saw how God uses storms in people's lives. For an unbeliever, He'll use a storm to, to bring them to a knowledge of Him. But for a believer, He'll correct our course or disciplines. Well, this week, we turn our attention to a particular storm in the Bible. And that story can be found over in Mark chapter 4. There, Jesus has just finished teaching a crowd. He's just finished teaching them all sorts of lessons and parables and, and things that are going on. And so, he then, find, we find a, a shift in what's happening. And so we'll pick up there in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. And it says, On that day, when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. 
So they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat, and the other boats were with him. A fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence! Be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that, that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the vessel. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you and ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake and all God's people said. Amen. This is a very familiar story most of us in church, but I think it needs a closer look. Now I'm almost willing to bet that 95% of the people in this room have heard this story more than 10 times in your life. We know this story. We've heard this story. I'd probably even say 100% of the people in this room have some knowledge of this story, either through church or through conversation or something like that, but sometimes the problem we have with Bible passages and the scripture that we know is we're so familiar, we begin to assume things about the text. We begin to assume that we know what's going to happen, so we miss out the little details that the story adds. This morning, I'm going to ask you a favor. I've asked it before, I'm going to ask it again. Clear your mind. That's not the favor. <laughs> Quit thinking about what you already know about the text. Let's look together at what's really going on and what this text says to someone who might be reading this for the first time. The first question I always ask when I look at this passage is, why are they there? The first question we always ask when we go through a storm, we talked about this last week, was why? Why, God, do I do this? Why am I having to go through this? Why am, I, why am I being tested in this way? And then our prayer usually becomes, Jesus, take us out of this storm. Jesus, take me out of this. Well, let's read that first verse carefully. He told them, let's cross over. <laughs> they were in the storm because Jesus put them there. Sometimes we find ourselves in storms because God puts us there. Now, that's not a very comfortable thing to think about. We don't like thinking that God may have put us in the middle of that storm. He may have said, you're going to go through this. I mean, evidently, Jesus had something planned for this storm and these people. <coughs> Jesus knew something was going to happen. So many times, we pray for God to take us out of the storm while never entertaining the possibility that God may have put us there. God, please take me out of this. I can't handle it anymore. God doesn't have to cause a storm to put us in a storm. He doesn't have to cause it. He caused the one in Jonah. We were told that last week. He made a great wind come, and there it was. But we do know that Jesus said go. Jesus said go this way, and he knew something was going to come, and he put them there. There was some reason for it. Maybe we should begin asking, God, what is your purpose in this storm for me, rather than save me from this storm? You know, so often we just say, God, I, I don't want to do this anymore. God, save me from this storm. Save me from all of these things. Save me from everything that's happening. Save me from this. But maybe God has something he wants us to learn. We have to learn to, to trust what God is doing. If we begin to realize the power of God to transform our lives, even in the scariest of situations, we grasp the true nature of our relationship with him. It's so easy to go through a hard time and be mad at God because I'm going through a hard time. God, I've been so faithful. 
in my life when everything I had done everything I could do. I got saved at 15, turned to the ministry at 16. I began doing everything that I could do to help God. I was at church every time the doors were open. I was at the youth minister's house. Even when they weren't open, I was always doing something. I was preaching at school. I was I, I preached my first sermon to a senior adult Wednesday night class when I was 16 years old. And the, and the ex-pastor's wife, who he had, he had passed away on my birthday the year that I got there, but I never had to know him, but I knew her. And she got to me afterwards and she said, you remind me a lot of Roland's first sermon. But he didn't go for 45 minutes. So, uh, that's where I was. I spent so much time and so much energy doing everything I could do for God. And then I hit 19 years old and my world fell apart. My parents were getting a divorce. All these things began to pile on each other and I was mad at God and I said, God, I am done. I'm done. I can't believe you would do this to me. I'm finished. In that moment, I hadn't come to the point that I needed to in this. I didn't realize that God could transform my life through the storm. He could use the storm for His purposes to do what He wanted to do. I was not yet trusting Him. Last summer, we had a, an incident with Micah where we had been swimming in the pool and we got out ready to go. And I packed up all the bags as dads do. I was carrying all these bags and everything, and I'd already walked to the gate, and I was going out, and Carrie was getting something together. And suddenly behind us, we heard a splash. Micah, without her puddle jumper on, had just walked back into the pool by herself and was not treading water. And so Mama jumped in because Daddy's already outside the gate. It took us many, 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 many hours with Micah in the pool this summer to get her back to the point where she would trust me to know that I'm not going to let you drown. I'm not going to let you be hurt. Just trust me in this and I will teach you how to come through this. God with us is the same way. Sometimes He puts us in storms and He wants us to trust Him because He wants us to see something. Maybe we live defeated lives because we would rather be saved from storms than be saved through storms. And there's a difference. If you never go through any storm, there's something missing from your life. And, and I said it before, I had a friend who, he was a wonderful, wonderful Christian, and he was a great preacher, and all these things, but there was something missing from his ministry. There was something missing. There was a depth that he didn't seem to understand. Well, I began to realize what that depth was. He had never experienced tragedy. All, his, all the grandparents in the family on both sides were still alive. The great-grandparents were still alive. There had never been any loss. And then suddenly I watched as on both sides of the family, people began to pass. They began to go on the glory. And you could watch as the ministry deepened, as that part that was missing became apparent in his preaching because he was now a different person. There is a difference between being saved from storms and through storms. There's no growth without obstacles. Anybody ever been into weightlifting? 
Probably Jolene, but she's probably a bodybuilder. <laughs> you know, with weights, unless you have some obstacle, unless there is something you're pushing against, you're not going to get anywhere. There's not going to be any growth. Nothing is going to happen. You know, astronauts, when they come back to Earth, they don't get to just re-enter society because they've been up there for a while and their muscles have atrophied. And whenever your muscles have atrophied, you're like learning to walk again because there has been no obstacle in their lives. God can use storms to do wondrous things in our lives, but we have to let it. We have to quit praying and saying, God, take me out of this and saying, God, what is your purpose in this? Because just like the disciples, we may find out that we are in a storm because God wants us there. That's not the only lesson. There's a lesson here of faith and trust. The storm comes in. The boat is, is getting swamped. There are 13 men at least in this little fishing boat. It's already at capacity. And so a little panic may make sense. I mean, if you put 13 guys in a small fishing boat and they take off across the sea and a storm comes up, you may want to panic, except... They believed, and they said they believed, that Jesus was the Messiah sent to do the work of the Father. And even in their estimation of what the Messiah was, he wasn't done yet. <laughs> he was asleep. He was asleep on the cushion. They had the Messiah there. There's no way the Father is going to allow the Messiah to be destroyed before the work's done. The logical thing tells us this. <laughs> but in those moments... In those storms. Sometimes that's hard, right? In those storms. Because nothing is rational in a storm. You ever been through a tornado? It, it, it's funny. In Rankin, they would sound the tornado sirens, and I, I, people would go, <gasps> and they would panic, and I'm going, this is the middle of the desert. We live in the valley. And what about tornado here? They're like, what? I'm like, we just came from Tornado Alley. I know what tornadoes look like, and this isn't it. But in a tornado, in a true tornado, you don't have a lot of rational thought. The one that, that Carrie and I have ever been through was in North Texas there. And I remember the church had a safe room, but it was a Baptist church. So it was actually where we stored the flowers. You couldn't get in the safe room because of the flowers. But anyway, that, that's the way that worked. And so we had a safe room, and we remember sitting in the living room, and we lived across the street from the church. I remember the sirens going off, and we started out the door to go to the safe room. And then I saw the hail. It was that big around. Fall. Just looked like meteors hitting the ground, and I'm going. Well, we're not going that way. So I grab Carrie by the, by the shoulders and I take her to our bathroom hall and I threw a mattress on top of her and I walked outside to watch. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of rational thought in that. I just wanted to see. And Carrie was mad because I got to see and she didn't. But in the middle of a storm, we don't think rationally. The disciples weren't going, well, he's the Messiah. God's not finished. We're probably saved. They thought... There's water in the boat. The boat's not supposed to have water in it. We're going to drown if something doesn't happen. We're all bailing water out. Jesus, we need you to get up and bail the water. What do they think he was going to do? I mean, 
You get through this whole thing and they're wondering who he is. What what did they expect him to do? Jesus, we're gonna die and you don't even care. Let me sleep until then. Two days after that tornado up there in Chillicothe, there was another siren that went off in the middle of the night. The next day somebody said to me, Where'd you go last night when the siren went off? I said, The siren went off? I was asleep. I didn't get back up. This, Jesus was laying there. But then, why was Jesus there? Verse 36 says, since he was already in the boat. Literally, the Greek here says, since he already existed in the boat. He didn't return to shore. He didn't have to be picked up. He had really been teaching from the boat, but I still find it odd that it says basically he was only with them because he was in the boat already. <laughs> he just happened to be there. Jesus just happened to be in the boat. Since he was already there, they would took him along with them. Because other times he would say, what, y'all go on ahead and I'll meet you later. But this time, since he was already in the boat, since he just happened to be there, it's almost as if it was a fluke. Well, just because. How often do we purposely take Jesus into every situation with us? Or do we simply assume he's going to be there? Or even worse, we forget about him totally. Jesus should be at the center of everything for believers. There shouldn't be a time where we go, boy, I hope Jesus is with me on this. <laughs> I hope he's there. Because if he's not, it's going to be tough. We should know that Jesus is at the center of our lives. We should know that we've already made this decision. And he is there. And we shouldn't be going somewhere. He doesn't want us to go anyway. If we're having the hope that Jesus is going to be there, something's wrong. I fear we're many times like the disciples. Because the disciples, they panic. Where's Jesus? He's asleep. It's on a cushion. The Greek form says here that he was sleeping in such a way that he was hard to wake up. He was at peace. He was hard to wake up. I have a daughter who's hard to wake up. She will fall asleep and we will be like, I guess time to get up. And she'll grunt and turn over. I mean, you know. I, I dread the teenagers because that's, you know, five, she's already that way. I can't imagine them. Jesus, he's asleep. And so they woke him up. It's, it's like they probably out there kicking him. Jesus! Get up! The water's coming in. I mean, Jesus is probably already wet. The water's coming over. Jesus is getting wet already anyway. Jesus knows it's raining. He knows it's storm. He knows it. He's still asleep. But they are, they are, they are so, don't you care that we're going to die? The Greek says, don't you care that we're going to come to ruin? We're going to be ruined. This is over. But they're missing the point. They're watching the storm that's raging around them, but they're not watching the maker of the storm who's sleeping peacefully in the midst of the storm. They're watching all this and they're not seeing the guy there who brought it all about. Who controls it all. They're looking at, at the wrong thing. They wake him up and he gets up. <laughs> kind of imagine you know, Jesus kind of goes <sighs> silence be still. <laughs> Half asleep. He was hard to wake up. He was half asleep. I mean, just, you know. I don't think he was really yelling at it. I don't think he just had to yell at the storm. Ooh, that's a whole other sermon. 
He just says, silence, be still. Literally says, stop this noise. Be as though you are muzzled, is what the Greek says. Now let's remember that a witness is writing this. So it seems like it seems like he's only talking to the wind and the waves, but I believe here he's talking in a much broader context. There's a flow to this passage. There's a calm in the storm and a calm. When he says, stop this noise, I think he's speaking as much to the men in the boat as he is to the women in the waves. Stop this noise. Stop this panic. Stop this concern. Stop this fear. Stop this arguing. Stop all of this stuff. All of these things have become such a noise that it was drowning out what could be in their souls. In essence, Jesus is saying, do not listen to the storm, listen to me. Don't listen to all of this. Listen to what I've said. We find ourselves in that situation so often in our lives because we sit here and we allow the, the world to tell us all of this junk. When the whole while Jesus is saying, hey, it's okay. I have promised you you're good. I have promised you that I will be with you. I have promised you that you will overcome. And listen to what he adds here. Why are you fearful? Do you still not have faith? After everything they've seen Jesus do or heard him say, they're still not understanding the point. They're still not getting it. That it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It matters who you have with you. This world will tear you apart. This world will make you wonder why you even get up in the morning. It doesn't matter what your storm looks like. Jesus was in the same storm. He was in the same storm. This wasn't a different storm. This wasn't Jesus. This wasn't Jesus doing a sermon saying, I remember this one time. That's not what he was doing. Jesus was in the same storm. The same storm that the disciples were losing their mind at. And it wasn't just the guys in one boat, it was all the boats. All the other boats that were there were all panicked, trying to throw water out, didn't know what to do. They're all panicked. Jesus is in the same storm. But he knows whose he is. And he knew whose he was. And he knows where he was going and what needed to happen. They were at a point where they should have gotten it. They should know, but they didn't. They even asked that question. Who is this guy? Who is this man? That even the wind and the wave obeyed. What about us today? Do we still not have faith? It seems to me that we panic over everything that we think needs to be different. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It matters who we have with us. It doesn't matter. Who cares what storm's ahead of us? Why does it matter that the boat seems to be flooding? So what if it looks scary? If Jesus is with you, you've got it. If God is for us, who can be against us? But the disciples aren't there. Who is this man? Man, it's crazy because the very next chapter, I love the very next chapter. Why? Because he gets there to this to the Gresenes, this place of the Gentiles. This isn't even Jewish people that he's going to there. And the disciples who have been with him, who have learned from him, who have seen all this stuff happen, and who ask the question, 
roots of faith. We don't yet totally trust His power to save us. We still go, well, I know He promised the best for me, but I, I still kind of wonder sometimes when I'm going through this stuff. We find ourselves shaking. We find ourselves doing all the things we can in our power to weather a storm. Instead of saying, Jesus, I'm going to rest in You. I told you about the book I'm reading last week. It's How to Read the Bible Like a King's Kid. The guy's name is Harold Hill. And he tells a story of him. He's in Germany. And on one day a week in Germany, they have an extended coffee break. So at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they go home. And everybody goes home. Across the nation. This is back in the 80s. May not do it. And he said, okay, they're staying in an old castle, a hotel that's an old castle, and the people come by and they give them two keys, they give them two, they give them two keys, one for their room and one for the outside door. And so he takes the key to his room, he goes up to get ready, and the guy who's there, his translator, the guy who's with him, he goes outside to get some more of their stuff, and then he comes back in, and he closes the door behind him, not realizing that this was the start of their problem. And, and Harold's point is, He's always praising God no matter what. He broods on the good things. He doesn't let the negativity get him. And then he realizes that he is stuck inside a castle for 18 hours by himself. And there's no getting out because the guy left the key in the car. They can't open the outside door. He said, okay, I'll just call somebody this out. And he picks up the phone and then he really begins to panic because there's no dial tone. Because even the phone company shut down. And the storm begins to come at him. All the while, his friend is saying, we're going we're gonna to praise our way through this, Harold. We're going to praise our way through this. They checked all the doors and the windows, and the guy goes in there to look. And he finds one window that's partially open, and he happens, while he's praising, to yell out. He hears a noise, and the guy who's supposed to pick him up, he's there. And he says, I left the key in the car, I don't know where. And the guy goes over there and kneels down to pray to God to show me where to look for this key. And as he says amen, he looks down at the keys on the ground in front of him. And he lets them out. His friend never took his eyes off of Jesus. His friend never let the circumstances that he was in change what he believed. But Harold, in that moment, he was done. He's like, I, I, I didn't know how to praise. I didn't know what to do. Because I was already hungry and we couldn't even get any food. We find ourselves stuck in these situations because we allow God to not be the center. We say, okay, it's no big deal. I hope God will save me from this storm. But what's God wanting to teach you from this storm today? Maybe this morning, You've been stuck in a storm. And you've been crying out for God to take you out of the storm. God, just take me out today. Take me out of the storm. I can't handle it anymore. Maybe you need to change your prayer this morning and say, God, what do you want me to learn in this storm today? Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as you say. Maybe you've ever taken a step to say, I want to know him. Now will be the time. You just walk down to the Detroit Island of Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you're needing, to Him.
Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.